You're listening to episode 83 here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode, and I'd love to stay connected with you on social media. You can follow me using the handle at ColorThinks across all platforms. You know, I didn't come from an easy place necessarily, but I always had enough. And not having everything handed to me really made me that much more resourceful. You know, I never thought I was really a courageous person growing up or anything, but now I look back and I see that I really was. Like I was resourceful. I used what I could. I always took action, right? I stayed in action and I used my intuition. You know, it really, um, I think our intuition is a huge part of courage and resilience. Hello and welcome to this week's episode here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. I'm Justin Keller, your host, and this is the show where every single week the goal is that the conversations that happen here would challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity so that you can live, lead, and create more brilliantly. And today's show, I'm sitting down with licensed life and career coach Kimberly Smith. And Kimberly and I sit down and we talk about resiliency and her journey of learning to be resilient and now her life of practicing that and then also helping others do that. She shares just how her her life was a mess and how she felt overwhelmed. She was always stressed and just being physically and emotionally and exhausted and she knew that something had to change. And so she talks about the transition that she went through and the journey that she went through from that type of a life to one where now she's actually helping people who suffer from chronic stress and exhaustion, helping them get a grip on their lives so that they can have mental stamina, increase their energy and resilience, and really excel now personally and professionally and help people move confidently through life's challenges and and their transitions. And so with that being said, let's get right into this week's episode with Kimberly Smith, and let's talk about resiliency in our lives. Every one of us are already made brilliant. You don't have to create that brilliance and you don't have to wish you had it. It's already in you. But you're going to have to fight to find that brilliance and you're going to have to fight even harder to live out your brilliance. Now let's get ready to have a conversation that will challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity and fight for brilliance in every area of your life. Uh, Kimberly, thanks for joining me here today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's great to be here. One of the things that stood out to me was when we connected again, we connected first on social media. And so this is always special to be able to connect kind of face to face, even if it's virtually like this. I know we're both in Houston, but um, this is easier sometimes with technology to do it this way. But one of the things that stood out was inside of your bio, seen and even on your website, and just seeing that you are what you would call a resiliency coach. And that term stood out to me. One, I think that, uh, and I'm going to get into this, I think the term resilience is something that often just gets associated with maybe like endurance athletes or just kind of toughing through life and not uh, probably some of the things that you focus on when you, and the things that you mean when you talk about resilience. And so I want to get into the mental aspect of that for sure. But why don't you just start off by sharing a little bit of your journey and sort of what led you to specializing really in your area of focus to call yourself a resiliency coach? 
Sure. That's a great question. It's an awesome place to start. Uh, yeah. I mean, the 20,000 foot view, Justin, is that, you know, I followed the normal path of life, right? Like I was going through life, checking the boxes of what I thought was going to ultimately bring me happiness, joy, fulfillment, right? Like all the things that we all want to experience. We all want to have a joyful life. And, you know, not long after getting married and, you know, buying a house and then becoming a mother, right? I started to experience some heavy duty anxiety. Uh, and, you know, most of my friends would describe me as somebody who's pretty outgoing, somebody who's pretty organized. You know, like one of my girlfriends joked when I was about to become a mother, she said, oh, Kimberly, your dogs are on a better schedule than most people. <laughs> you know, you'll be fine. <laughs> um, and, you know, so from the outside, you know, Justin, it looked like I had it all together. I had a great job. I was a recruiting manager for a luxury hotel and resort in South Florida. I mean, it couldn't even get better than that. But I was starting to experience shortness of breath. I was anxious. I was overwhelmed with to-do lists and, you know, do-it-yourself projects and just like everything you could possibly imagine, right? And, you know, I started to have panic attacks. You know, that's what it led to. You know, I was at my job. I was in this all-team meeting and um, I had a full-blown panic attack, right? So went to the doctor you know, he asked me, do you have any stress in your life? Which at the time was a pretty laughable question, right? Uh, my my ex-husband worked a really, really busy job. I mean, he's seven days a week in the oil and gas industry. Uh, and that left me kind of to, you know, take the brunt of it. I was house manager. I worked 50 hours a week. We had a newborn. We owned two properties. So life got busy really fast. Um, and I really just didn't know how to manage it. And so, you know, fast forward a bit, we relocated back to Houston to be closer to family and hopefully regain some of that balance. And to be honest, it, it got worse before it got better. Uh, you know, I was doing a three hour commute. I found myself working in environments that were totally misaligned with my values. And, you know, that sent me down the rabbit hole of some big soul searching. Uh, it sent me down, you know, exploring some more natural naturopathic and holistic methods of managing my anxiety um, and really just learning about how I could be stronger, right? How I could be stronger day to day. So you're absolutely right. We normally talk about resilience when it comes to like endurance athletes and um, that strength factor. And it is a lot to do with strength, right? And it's a lot to do with courage. Um, you know, I, in my previous life, as I say, right, I wasn't being brave with my choices. I wasn't speaking up. I wasn't setting boundaries. I wasn't being intentional with my time. Uh, and I suffered because of it. So, mm. you know, the resilience factor is about being strong, but it's also about exercising courage, right? And really, um, moving through those moments of fear or pain or grief, right, to the other side of whatever it is that's in front of us that may be intimidating us, right? Maybe it's a new opportunity. Maybe it's, you know, going after that promotion or starting the business that we've wanted or leaving the toxic relationship that we've, you know, been, you know, that it's been pulling at our heart. Um, and resiliency is the ability, I think, to be courageous time and time again. It's it's exercising courage over and over again, right? And building that muscle. Yeah, I like that. I like the way you described that. I just talked about that recently on a podcast and I called it constant courage. And yeah, I saw some, that. 
you know, and that's something that, um, you know, I've thought a lot about because people always talk about motivation and being motivated to get through these tough times. I'm like, you were motivated to get, to escape that pain, right? That you were in the, the stress, the anxiety. Absolutely. You were motivated. Yeah. And yeah. it's not, it wasn't enough though always, is it? No, you know, because I think, yeah, frustration is transformative, right? You know, when we're frustrated with our circumstances, but then, you know, even being in a place where, you know, we're maybe bored, right? Or we're mm -hmm. just thirsty for more. Um, and, you know, the things may be perfect around us or be okay, but it's not fulfilling for us, you know? And so, yeah, finding some courage to really go after those big goals unapologetically too. I'm always curious when someone talks about a path like you've described, uh, obviously it looks different for everybody, but the, the position of where I'm at, I'm not satisfied with, um, I desire something different. This doesn't feel right as is what well, that's sort of a consistent feeling that many of us can probably relate to at different points, different times, different ways. But what was it that would have been maybe the catalyst for you to start to make some of the big shifts? Were they intentionally chosen by yourself or were they forced upon you? Talk to me a little bit about the transition from the pain to sort of finding sort of a resolute for what you were going through. Yeah, sure. I mean, to be honest, Justin, it was me feeling like I had hit rock bottom. It was me feeling like I didn't really have control over my life. Um, none of the things that I had done were really working for me. Uh, and I was having a really hard time kind of coping with the realization of who I had become and versus who I thought I was. Right. Mm. And to do that, I, I found a therapist <laughs> straight away. <laughs> I, I walked into a therapist and she was like, tell me why you're here today. And I said, and I was like, you know, obviously I'll censor myself, but I was like, I am messing up big time. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in a big fumble and mm. yeah, I need to ground myself. I need to find a better path. Um, so it all started in therapy <laughs> and that was one of the best moves I ever made. <laughs> Well, you, you know enough about me hopefully by now to know that I obviously advocate for, for that as well. And, um, often talk about the different phases of, um, needing a therapist in our lives and the benefits of that. One of those I was going to say would be from, those are moments that to me, I would call almost like traumatic, right? You're in, it's oh, in some yeah. sense, right? That you're in and you need them to help you navigate that. Um, and then at some point they shift toward more of a coach and a, and a guide, uh, helping you practice the things that they've taught but yeah I'm, I'm on the same page with you i was curious um the language i'm messing up i'm I, I i don't like who i am i know who i could be or what i desire to be that's language that we all can see the posts on social media from all of the psychologists out there telling us don't talk like that say this instead but still how did you navigate some of the guilt and shame of knowing this wasn't all just something that life brought at me. Some of this I chose. I hate the feeling of knowing I could have done this better, could have done this differently. How'd you navigate that in your life? Yeah, compassion. You know, finding compassion and exercising it again and again and again. It takes practice. You know, we're really, you know, as children, I don't think we're really taught a lot about emotions, right? We're taught how to recognize what's happy and sad and angry, but there is a whole spectrum and you know wheel full of emotions that we don't really 
connect with and learn to identify in ourselves, right? And compassion's one of those. And, um, you know, we're so used to being kind and, and giving other people grace and other people compassion, but so little do we actually offer that to ourselves, right? And, and we don't know how to even self-soothe. So, yeah, I mean, that was definitely something that, that, I worked on deeply in therapy and changing that inner dialogue, changing the conversation and having that person really just become a gentle support for me. Right. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of, you know, grief all wrapped up in that. Um, but treating myself like I would respond and, and treat a good friend and, just again, retraining my brain, right? Like we have the ability to change the structure of our brain. So um, the more you do something, the more ingrained it becomes. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And that's just, and it's part of the process, but it's a frustrating part of the process sometimes to <laughs> to, to realize how much work it actually takes to do that. You know, the, the idea of reprogramming our brain, you know, it's not just an idea of, or, or uh, I think this and it's done. It's, <laughs> this is a constant work in, in some ways. Right. So with constant, <laughs> yeah, it is, is, you know, the, the guilt and the shame portion part of it is something I think, uh, we're scared of it, but I think it's also a human response. So it's, it's, it's what you do with it though. Once you feel that obviously, and that's where it does help. I think that's where those seasons where you have, uh, someone in your corner, like a therapist to help you realize like how to reposition that is important early on. Um, would you put, so when you're talking about things like compassion, uh, and I'm just thinking in, with words like resilience and then underneath that you're talking about other words such as courage and all these other things connected to it was compassion and courage and, and these different things that you're describing that you've had to practice, were they things that you were shown as a kid growing up or what was life kind of like growing up and how had, how had that either helped or made it um, harder for you to learn these things? Oh yeah. We're going deep now, Justin, aren't we? <laughs> <Is> that, <laughs> um, well, look, I always, I always think there's way more to the, uh, to the answer than, than, than what we hear. And so sometimes I like to, to ask if you're not comfortable, you don't have to answer. No, <laughs> no, totally. This is great. Uh, yeah. So growing up, I was the youngest of three siblings, um, a little strange family dynamic. So parents were divorced by the time I was one. And so I never knew my parents to be married. Hmm. And my mom also was disabled. So she's single mom. Um, she has a degenerative eye disease called retinitis pigmentosa. And she basically was diagnosed when she was 26 and told that she would gradually go blind. So very stressful financially, just a lot of emotions going on. But, you know, there was a separateness. Like, you know, we didn't really... I don't really remember talking about the hard stuff, right? Because, you know, obviously as a parent, you know, there's only so much you can really involve your young, young children in, right? But there was still the sense of knowing that things were stressful, right? Um, and as far as being demonstrated, like I did see my mom, you know, demonstrate courage, right? She did have strength in the face of pain and grief, right? Because as a young single mother with three kids under 10, she was facing this enormous forced life change on her, right? I mean, she ended up retiring when she was 40. Um, so, and, and she had to learn to 
you know, live as a blind person would, right? She was sighted and now she was going to be an unsighted. So, yeah, I, d- I definitely saw her, hmm. you know, showcase some of those uh, qualities. Um, but, you know, there was also kind of this overarching uh, thought that her needs and everybody else's needs were more important than mine. Right. So I didn't really learn to meet my own needs or use those skills for my own benefit until much, much later. Did you kind of feel like you had always been more to more of a in survival mode? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because that's what it felt like. Right. I mean, there was always a, a strange tension dynamic with my father um, and just always the feeling of trying to be good enough, right? Trying to strive for this place where, yes, I could finally be, you know, accepted and loved through and through, right? Um, Mm. Not really realizing that I could meet a lot of those needs myself. So you would have still been, you would have been pretty young, right? When your mom was diagnosed with that, correct? Oh yeah, I mean, she probably got diagnosed right after I was born, if I'm like the timing is correct. Yeah. And yeah. so you would think, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I don't mean to impose this at all. I'm just thinking, putting myself sort of in those shoes a little bit and growing up in a home where, you know, at 12 years old, finding out my mom had lupus and just mm. watching, uh, you know, navigate 15 years where it was her having to have certain things taken care of, uh, couldn't do certain things. Just life was, uh, it impacted me, I guess, greatly as I reflect back on is what I was trying to get at. Sure. And I was just curious if you've ever thought about um, in taking the chance to think about some of the good things that it's helped you see. And because I think we get scared of these moments sometimes in life and we're able to notice the tough things, the difficult moments. But what were some of the maybe silver linings that you've been able to find and, and maybe even beauty through growing up without it being so rosy and so perfect? Yeah, sure. Well, and, you know, as I think you could probably relate to this, as you go through therapy, you do have these epiphanies, right? And you have to really reckon with a lot of, you know, moments where you're like, wow, I didn't realize that, right? And they can be really hard to take take in, you know, and there can be a lot of grief around it. Um, when it comes to, yeah, my past and the silver lining is that you know, I didn't come from an easy place necessarily, right? But I always had enough. And not having everything handed to me really made me that much more resourceful, right? Um, and, you know, I never thought I was really a courageous person growing up or anything. But now I look back and I see that I really was, right? Like nobody came to me and said, hey, Kimberly, do you want to go to college? Here, here's a free pass, right? Like I had to figure all that out on my own. You know, my parents didn't look at forms with me. They didn't help me apply for student loans. They they were very uninvolved <laughs> in the process. <laughs> in fact, like the first time I saw my university was when I drove onto campus to move in, right? So I didn't go around visiting all of these schools. I applied, I put in three applications because that's all I could afford, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, looking back, it's like I was resourceful. I used what I could. I always took action, right? I stayed in action. Um, and, 
I used my intuition. You know, it really, um, I think our intuition is a huge part of courage and resilience. Uh, and just being able to trust myself, right? I look back and I realize that, man, I made some really good choices. I took some risks. Um, I, I carved a path when, you know, a lot of people that are, you know, given the same thing, you know, aren't able to do that, right? So, yeah, that's given me a lot of personal empowerment. I feel good about it. <laughs> uh, no, I love what you've said. And I have a lot of respect. First of all, I, I want to acknowledge that a lot of respect for what you just described as a journey, because that would have been a lot of reasons and or enough reasons for someone not to keep going in a direction. And you said three things, though, there that uh, and I uh, help me recall, them, but it was sure. Um, let's see. I took I took action. There was something right before that. Um, Oh, I just blanked on it, but I took action. Oh, I always exercised courage. I took Care, action. Courage, action, and then trust my intuition. Follow my intuition. Mm-hmm. Do you, when you think about, and I don't think it can be reduced at all, but when you think about uh, the foundation of maybe resiliency and what you're helping people with, how do those three things that you had sort of, um, I guess, inherited through uh, situations and experiences, those things that sort of became natural, more natural for you, how have those and how do those things shape the way you help and coach people if they do at all? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Yeah, you know, through the coaching process, I think, you know, we're obviously working towards goals, but people, there's so many unexpected gifts that come out of it, right? I think a lot of people go in not really realizing how strong they really are, right? Mm. Um, and that they, in fact, have been courageous in a lot of moments in their own life, right? They've just haven't seen it, right? So, um, you know, being able to help people tap in and see the the previous times that they've had this courage, right, gives them that empowerment and the ability to be courageous again, to keep to keep taking action, right? Of course, action's a huge part of the coaching process because we're always moving forward. We're always working on their personal goals, setting actions that are going to help bring them closer and achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve for themselves. And intuition, right? Self-trust. Like, I think a lot of times, you know, we become overwhelmed because there's so many choices and we have so many other people to consider in our life and we're so afraid of making the wrong choice, right? And most of my clients come out really understanding and seeing that they have the ability to trust themselves, that they do make really great decisions, that even if they make a quote unquote wrong decision, it's, you know, the world isn't going to stop spinning, right? You know, mm. it may help bring you to a new place in your path. You may see a new solution that you didn't see in the very beginning, right? Um, but there's a reason that we have, you know, those gut feelings. It's a reason why, why like, we have that voice inside us that's helping guide us and telling us. And, you know, we know that feeling when we're onto something, right? So um, learning to trust those is is definitely something that my clients experience. Yeah. So th when you talk about intuition and you talk about learning to trust th that gut feeling and what that is, I love hearing from others what that practice looks like or mm -hmm. even how you acquire the ability to do that because... For me personally, at least, I just feel like there's a lot of other shit in the way sometimes. 
that I don't know what I'm listening to. I don't know what I feel like if it's the, so speak to that, I guess a little bit for somebody who feels like I love the idea of <laughs> trusting my intuition, but how do I know if it's, <laughs> if, if that's actually the right, you know, feeling that I'm following there and is there a difference between, I guess, feeling and intuition and all that? Sure. Yeah. For me, Justin, it's definitely connected to, um, three different things, right? It's connected to faith. It's connected to, uh, energy, right? And inspired action. Uh, so, you know, faith being that like, we all have our foundations, what we believe in, right? Um, I think a huge part of being comfortable and, you know, making peace with the fact that there's always going to be the unexpected, right? There's always going to be, you know, the, the undetermined or things that we don't know for the future, having faith that like, you know, ultimately you're not in control of everything uh, and all you can control is your own actions, right? Uh, and how do your actions kind of come together with your values, right? Um, a lot of times our faith is is rooted in our values and what's important to us and, and what feels really good and aligned for our soul and for our spirit, right? So, and, and we feel that in energy, right? Like we can tell when we like come across a person who their energy is just like super intense, right? And they're just giving off some bad vibes, right? And we can tell that with situations too. We can tell when there's a situation that just doesn't give us a good feeling or when maybe we're being coerced into doing something or kind of pushed into doing something that we don't want to do that maybe crosses an important boundary or compromises our values, right? So that's how those things intersect. And then inspired action, right? Like that comes from that feeling of just like faith and like good energy and like, yes, like I am fearful, but I'm going to do it anyway because I feel like I'm being divinely led. I feel like this is meant for me and I know I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about it until I actually do this. I don't want to have any regrets. So I'm going down this path and we'll see what happens. <laughs> no, I feel like I like how simple you made that. And I actually really like that the foundation of that being um you know, whether you want to use the words values or what matters to you, however you want to frame that. For sure. You know, I think everyone needs to find a way to frame it to just pin down some of the non-negotiables, I would call it, in their life. And values are great. There's a lot of great um, resources out there to kind of identify your values. I probably should do something like that myself. I've tried. Um, I have been able to boil down what matters to me just I don't always frame it inside of values because I think there, there, I have so many different things I value, but I, yeah, I sure. like convictions and things like that. But when you start with that at the foundation, I thought that was absolutely a beautiful way to start with it would be the things that you're thinking about at least should leave you a feeling of, of good or bad based mm -hmm. on being aligned. And whether you call that energy or feeling like that's, mm -hmm that's sort of that relationship and that harmony together. I think that makes a lot of sense just listening to you. I haven't thought about it necessarily in those practical steps. And so I think that's super helpful because there's those things that you, this is the way, the way you describe that, those things that you can't really stop thinking about could be good or bad, right? Like I can't, I need to get away from this or I want to pursue this. That's the, that is a, a feeling that energy that you have toward it is going to be based on the, how it aligns with those values and things like that. So I thought that Definitely. was a really practical way to, um, to, to sum that up. Do you, as you think about resiliency and do you believe that it's something that is 
naturally sort of inborn in some of us or at least naturally greater in some of us? Or is it something that is acquired, whether that's through circumstances and environments and, and so on? What For someone especially who's feeling like, I don't know if I am resilient, I don't feel like I am, is that normal? Or is it something where, um, you know, this is something that you actually are born with, you have to foster it. Where do you stand on that? Or how do you kind of coach people in that? Sure. Well, humans, I think we are all born with a certain level of resiliency, right? Like we, as we've evolved and, and, and all of that, right? Like we've evolved with, you know, <laughs> over thousands and millions of years, right? So, I mean, we are a resilient species in its sense, right? When it comes to our individual resiliency, I don't think anybody has a leg up over anybody else. I think that our life experiences shape us. Uh, and, you know, obviously they take us down different paths, right? So me and sitting next to somebody else who maybe had a very similar upbringing, we could have handled things completely different, right? Um, maybe we had the same exact tools, but, you know, we chose to do different things with them for whatever reason. Um, that doesn't, reflect your overall ability to build resilience. I definitely see resilience across the board for everybody as a muscle that's capable of being built up and strengthened over time, right? And, you know, the more you use it, the more you enjoy the gifts of it too, right? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's 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 nothing that people need to be afraid of. And certainly there's, uh, I think it's totally normal for people to feel especially now over the last year and a half, like they're not very resilient because we've had so much change uh, in such a short period of time. um, And we've had a lot of challenges, right? So it's one thing to focus on building resilience over a period of time um, when we're constantly being hit with, with changes and challenges. Yeah, we can feel a little beat down. We can feel a little burnt out. Uh, but there's, I think there's always hope, right? You know, if you have the desire, then it's there for the taking. Yeah. I mean, cause when I think about w- things like resilience and putting words like perseverance right there inside alongside of it, and just that ability to keep enduring it, it's, mm-hmm. it feels like in seasons like this, I don't know, it just feels like it's easier for some than others if they've gone through a lot of different things, but it does feel like at some point. Uh, there's just a breaking point for all of us, you know, and, and so it, it can get really hard. And so I like that you talked about it like that, as far as that's natural, that's a normal feeling, especially when you have so much coming at you at once. And that would kind of align, I would think too, right. With you, when you talked about back to your story and kind of describing your journey, you had a lot basically in a, in a year, in a, a span of a certain amount of years, kind of just accumulating and throwing at you. And it, I guess when, when for you, anxiety was new, right? In that sense? You know, it, it was manifesting in a new way. I can say okay. that, you know, looking back, I think I've always been a pretty anxious person. <laughs> I just expressed it differently, right? You know, so my, my coping ne- mechanisms for anxiety previously were, you know, people pleasing and perfectionism, right? You know, I thought that if I could control everything and show up a certain way, then I would feel comfortable, right? That eased my anxiety. Um, but yeah, I've always, I've always been an anxious person for sure. 
No, yeah, I felt like the anxiety side of it was what you described was just like a lot of different things coming out at you at once. And and so when you looked back at it now when and you have seasons of that are similar because, I mean, let's just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's just call it what it is. I mean, that life is a constant um, repeat of throwing <laughs> as many different things at you at once with maybe small reprieve, moments of reprieve, right? So how do you, what are some of the tools and, and things that you use now to navigate that? I know people can learn more about this, but I know part of your story has been, uh, just from what I've read, you, you did use medication right away, which, mm-hmm. um, I'm not a health professional, obviously, but I, I would advocate for, there are people sometimes need that immediately to help bring resolve. Uh, I can think of a number of people in my life that have had major depression for seasons and needed something and yep. wean themselves off of it. So I want to, I'll probably shelf the the medication conversation and just leave that for people who are more mm-hmm. experienced with that. But what I would love to hear is now that you've been able to find more natural ways to mm-hmm. uh, navigate these seasons that are similar, what are some of the, the tools that you kind of practice in your own life to navigate those moments of anxiety, a lot of life coming at you and that stress that you're feeling? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, first and foremost, yeah, like I, I've always been anxious when life got crazy. It just manifested differently. I came to a point where like, I just couldn't deny that it was there. Right. Because I was short of breath. Um, I was having straight up panic attacks and I did, I did go on medicine temporarily. You know, um, I, I think a lot of people are offered it as a solution because they're like, that's all we know. Right. And, and Mm -hmm. medical doctors and, you know, Western medical doctors, right? Like that's what they've been trained in, right? So they want to provide you a solution. It's always coming from a great place. Um, and I did go on it for about nine months and initially it really helped. And honestly, that was part of my like moving more into the holistic side and more to natural remedies because it showed me how I wanted to feel every single day. Um, Mm you know, I wasn't so rushed. I was like really just more present. And, you know, it sounds really cheesy, but like I did take notice of the birds chirping and like, you know, the small miracles happening around me day to day where before I was just too busy. I was just too rushed and hurried and none of it really mattered anyway. Right. I was just trying to get shit done on my to-do list. (laughs) Um, but you know, after my journey is that, and I always say the same thing, Justin, right? Like medication's an absolute personal decision. I think in mental health, it's a godsend for a lot of people. And it may, if it's part of your toolkit forever, there's absolutely no shame in that. Great, um, yeah. You know, for me after nine months, it didn't work as well. Uh, I noticed that, you know, first off, my life just kept getting more stressful. <laughs> and um, so, and I don't know whether I built up a tolerance to that specific dose or what, but I made the decision to wean myself off of it because I really wanted to find some alternative uh, methods. Um, one thing that I've found that I am a huge advocate for is magnesium. <laughs> and I feel like it's the mineral that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, it really is wonderful for brain health. It helps with mood and depression. It helps with muscle recovery. Uh, and it's one of those minerals that you probably aren't going to get enough from your food supply, even if you're eating the healthiest of diets. Um, So I take magnesium religiously at bedtime. It helps me sleep better, you know, helps my muscles recover. And I've definitely noticed an impact on, you know, my mood across the board. 
that's number one. <laughs> nice. And so, and that's all, obviously I'm guessing that that would be based on your body, based on um, as far as how much you in, need to intake, right? It's different for everybody or what? Yeah. You know, again, I'm not, I'm not a health coach, um, but yeah. I've done enough research where, you know, there's a few different types of magnesium. I take a magnesium glycinate. Uh, which is one that absorbs really readily into the bodily into the body, and um, it it also is it just it targets the brain, right? You know, whereas other ones you may have some other side effects from, um, and again, it can make you uh, sleepy. So I take it at night, you know. Uh, but yeah, I take about five hundred milligrams, or no, four hundred milligrams at night, um, the week. Before my cycle, I take an extra 200 milligrams. I take 600 milligrams at night. I'm just looking at something right now, and it says that it's involved in more than 600 reactions in your body, including energy creation, protein formation, gene maintenance, muscle movements, and uh, nervous system uh, regulation. You know, so it's it's, it's a funny gift you mentioned that of a mineral. <laughs> it really, really is, and I don't hear people talking about it enough. My my chiropractor actually recommended it to me like 10 years ago because I I described that. Like I was having trouble sleeping. I was just, my mind was racing. And he was like, yeah, you know, you should take some magnesium. It's, you know, anti-inflammatory. It just kind of helps your <laughs> muscles relax. And, you know, it could be a good sleep aid. And I've never gone back. You know, it's definitely one of my gifts of calm. It's in my free ebook. And it's one of the things that I use all the time. Yeah, well, I'm making note of that because <laughs> you just described a lot of scenarios that I can relate to. And, and so, especially as a runner and with, you know, longer distances and so on. I'm mm -hmm. always looking for um, different things that help with whether it's inflammation, uh, muscle, you know, soreness and things like that. But you sleep <laughs> has been a big one for me. <laughs> I do need it. I I do use melatonin, uh, you know, right now. And so mm -hmm. I have for, yeah, I do on and off, but sometimes more consistently. But sure. so mag magnesium, I love that we just kind of went off on that. Um, <laughs> I like to geek out on little things like that. That's something I haven't talked a lot about or even looked into much to be honest with you and as much That's as I surprising because I know you're <laughs> like a heavy duty athlete like you bike and run and all types of stuff so yeah you definitely need to to get yourself some yeah and I, I always call myself a hack I mean I know enough about nutrition I, I, I focus on I, I get overwhelmed there's a lot of different moving pieces in life so I focus on mm -hmm. you know fiber carbohydrates you know protein and some of the core things but don't think about I take other supplements but have not yeah. Um, done, you know, been on a magnesium journey here yet. So, okay. What else are like a couple of things that you put in that you practice as far as they're sort of in your tool belt for navigating those moments mm -hmm. in life where everything kind of hits at once? Sure. Yeah. I mean, mindfulness. I mean, I think everything starts with awareness. If you can just gently start practicing, being aware of your surrounding, being aware of your actions. I mean, I looked it up one day and it was something like 95% of what we do is based on habit, right? Um, and we're not actually present, right? We're just kind of like we're doing like our body, it's muscle memory, all of that stuff, right? So gently practice being present, you know, where you are, noticing your emotions that come up, right? I, I feel like even now, you know, situationally, if I'm hit with something, you know, I immediately ask myself, why am I feeling this way, right? You know when you're mm. feeling off, you know when your your emotions are starting to flare. But yeah, really being able to name like what emotions, like are you frustrated? Are you angry? You know, are you like just super disappointed in something or someone? Um, and 
you know, j- just that compassion, that self-compassion, giving yourself grace for um, just every day, like you're just doing your best, right? Like changing that inner dialogue changed my life, right? Like I, I was straight up abusing myself with the things that I was saying in my head. Um, so shifting my dialogue and then being just present day to day and really getting in touch with how I'm feeling in certain moments or when and when tough challenges come up. Um, and then one other thing in my toolkit is CBD. I love me some CBD. Hmm. I think that's also an amazing supplement. I think it's um, going to be a big part of the future of wellness for sure. Yeah, and I'm... <laughs> I don't know enough about that. That's something that I have people close to me who are pretty big proponents of it. Uh, I've done a little research, began Mm -hmm. trying to learn more. I think even, you know, as parents too, you and I both were probably always thinking about things that can help our kids um, earlier on than waiting till later in life, like you and I, you know, for instance. And, and, um, and so that's interesting. I appreciate you sharing those and, you know, for me, when I think about resiliency and just probably to state the obvious, but like even by definition, just, I don't know, being able to recover or, you know, come back from something um, when, when difficult things hit, which a difficult thing could be getting our kids out of the, out of the house in the morning. Like we don't think about, um, we don't, we don't think about it in the little things, right? Like that's a scenario that I just described was a difficult moment that I have experienced multiple times with my son. The ability to recover from that quickly is the resiliency. And so help, I guess, as we kind of close this out, but let's just kind of park for a second on your parent. I know you also, I should also acknowledge that it is International Women's Day today as we're recording this, which I didn't plan, but I think it's pretty badass. And so it is, it definitely is badass. I'd agree and with so, that. <laughs> and so I love that we're doing this and you as, uh, it's always an interesting term to say single parent when you're, you have a co-parent, but you are parenting by yourself <laughs> with your kids often. And so talk to me a little bit and help sort of maybe the listeners out there thinking through what does resiliency look like as a parent? And even mental, I guess you would maybe use words like mental stamina. What does that look like as parents? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, obviously staying present when I'm with my daughter is huge, right? So um, we're so tied to our phones and our devices. I really make a concerted effort to have designated times where I'm, I'm nowhere near my phone, right? I can give her my full, full, full attention, right? Uh, and, you know, you and I touched a little bit earlier on you know, parents being able to share things with their kids. And, you know, there's always going to be some boundaries there of what you can share and what you can't, right? Just given their, you know, age and and, and where they are in life. Um, but I'm pretty, I'm a, I'm a very transparent mother in the sense that like in those moments where, yeah, you're impatient and you're trying to leave the house and like they're taking forever to like put their socks on at like a, a snail's pace. And you're like, no, we got to go. There's a sense of urgency here. You know, like I... I use humor a lot, right? Like I want to, I want to get her looking at herself and kind of laughing at some of these little things. Um, Mm. But I'm also very direct in my communication, right? So if I can name what I'm feeling, then I can tell her how this situation is making me feel, right? So when I feel that tension or that anger kind of bubbling to the surface, right? Because we do get that. um, I straight up tell her, I'm like, 
and her name's Amelia. I say, Amelia, you are making me very frustrated right now. My patience is running out and I do not want to have to raise my voice. So please help me out here. You know, like, so it's it's collaborative. Um, it's letting her know, like, mommy is headed downhill. <laughs> right? So help, help me out um, and follow directions, right? And also explaining, you know, why we're doing something, right? Why there's a sense of urgency, why we're on a timeline, right? Why it's important to be punctual, right? Um, you know, these are all important things that I want her to, you know, start understanding even from a young age, right? Uh, and, you know, mo most of the time I have a very lighthearted manner with her and she, even when I'm a little bit serious or stern, she'll be like, well, why are you, why are you yelling? <laughs> I'm really not yelling. I'm just <laughs> trying to make you understand that looking both ways before you cross the parking lot is important, right? It's yeah. imperative to your safety. Uh, so yeah, I think just being direct, using humor when you can, um, knowing that it's really safe to show your kids that you have these same emotions, right? Because if you can name and express your emotions and honor them, they're going to feel safe to do that for themselves. Um, taking a timeout is also something I've been known to do, right? Taking a, a mother timeout where I remove myself and I let her yeah. know that I need five minutes alone. So please do not knock on my door. No, I, I think those are all really great. I love, um, I, humor I can relate to cause my son, I think, wait, how old is Amelia? She is six and a half. So our kids are the same. My son's six and you know, kids with play play so important and it's such a part of their, um, just development overall, but it's their, it's their love language, you know? And so it, I don't always have the patience to be humorous with him, but when I do, it does work. And then the other thing you described is that giving myself that time out, I didn't do that early on. And especially when I was under more stress as a divorced dad, I remember those, mm -hmm. those times when, you know, his mom was really good at being a mom <laughs> and, and she is still. And so it, that was harder for me, you know, what do you, he won't stay in his bed or he's got a fever and he won't sleep and all mm. those things, you know, you would get, I just get short sometimes in that and, and lose patience and, the timeout thing has been just monumental for him and, and he gets it. Like he'll tell me now too, you know, I'll say, look, daddy, just, I need a few minutes. Um, I, I'm getting frustrated. I just, I need to calm down. And so mm -hmm. he knows I'm like regulating my emotions and I'll tell him that I'm, I need to calm down and I don't, I don't want to, I want to have a good day with you. I want to respond better. So I'm going to calm down. And so, good, and, yes. and so he'll do the same thing now too. He'll say, I just need a minute and I say, okay, you just tell me when you're ready to talk then. And I'll give him that space. Um, and if it's going too long or, you know, not seeming to get anywhere, I, I bring in the humor part. And at some point he's ready for that again. But yeah. the things you just pointed out, I think are fantastic. So <laughs> anyway, well, it's and a I think that's strategy. Yeah. Well, in resiliency as a parent is something that, um, I think we're going to mess up. I've had to tell myself this recently, just in a matter of days here, like the grace that we have to give ourselves mm -hmm. is super important. The compassion that we have to have on ourselves that like you mentioned, all of those things I connect to every area of life, but specifically I think of you as a mom and probably, you know, you do help a lot of females and you work closely with women. And um, I think moms need to give themselves a lot of grace. They have a lot <laughs> of things thrown at them and um, 
It's, it's sure. going to get hard and they're going to mess up, but recover quickly would be that resiliency. And so thank you for taking the time to kind of even just share some of your, not just experiences, but also even what I would say those experiences have shaped is, is someone who is um, really able to focus and, and help people in that area. And I just personally want to commend you. This was our first time getting to interact like this, um, other than exchanges on social media. But I just want to acknowledge that I feel just getting to know you briefly, there's bravery, there's courage, there's uh, admirable just determination to find a way and yeah. in your story. And so hopefully um, others heard that too, but for sure interacting with you, I just want to acknowledge that and you and, and just thank you for sharing today. So thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Justin. It's been a pleasure and yeah, I hope to connect another time. That'd be great. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope that you were challenged by it. I appreciate Kimberly sharing all of her experiences with us here today. And if there was something that stood out to you from the show, what I'd love to ask you to do is screenshot the episode, share it across social media, because I would love to see what it is that stood out. And you can mention uh, myself at Keller Thinks and also Kimberly and the links for her Instagram and everything are right there inside of the show notes. And so share that across social media. Also feel free to share this with two other people in your life. Just send them a direct link and let them know that you're listening to the Fight for Brilliance podcast and and maybe something that this episode specifically helped you with that you thought they would also resonate with. And then if you have not rated and reviewed the show, would you please do me a huge favor and just take a second and do that, especially if this is something that you consistently listen to every single week. And this is one of those shows that is on uh, sort of the key list for you every week. I would really appreciate uh, just a rating and a review. It doesn't take very long. And I know some people will say that it helps grow the podcast. It doesn't do that. What it does do is it serves those who first encounter the podcast and those who are looking for a show for where they're at in their lives. And so by you making, uh, just taking the time, I guess, to share a short review, uh, what that does is it shares how this connects with you and help someone who first comes across the show uh, maybe see that there's something here for them. And so that's what the ratings and reviews do. And so it means a lot if you haven't done that, that you'd go and do that. All right, that's it for this week. We'll see you next time. And until then, here is your weekly reminder that you, yes, you, you are brilliant.